Hey, caffeinators. Welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe. The Vet Tech Cafe is a podcast centered around veterinary technicians and nurses, hosted by myself, Dave Cowan, and my good friend, Jeff Backus. We strive to discuss current issues facing our profession and give our colleagues a voice and a medium to enter into these discussions. Our guests are experts in the veterinary field that we hope can help our listeners work towards dealing with these issues, as well as coming up with solutions that can lead to change. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, please contact us at vettechcafe at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, vettechcafe.com. One thing we would ask of you, our listeners, is to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're not exactly sure how or why this helps us, but apparently it does. So without further ado, come on in, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and get ready for another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Hello, caffeinators. Welcome to another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe, where every week is Vet Tech Week. Dave, that's coming up soon here in a couple of weeks by the time yes. this uploads. Yes. So where we're every week is Vet Tech Week. We'd like to thank all of our uh, caffeinators for their continued support of repping our merchandise. And I was really hoping to be wearing a, a new t-shirt today for this recording <laughs> for the um, Everything Nice and Pumpkin Spice at the Vet Tech Cafe. I just haven't gotten it yet. I know our guest agrees with me on that subject. So I'm just wearing my Vet Tech Cafe t-shirt tonight. But We've got a lot of new merch Dave's been working on, so definitely check that out on our website, vettechcafe.com, if you haven't already. Thank you very much to our Patreons, and, and our uh, our guest tonight is one of those, so um, thank you so much this for the support. This will be our first Patreon on the show. Yes, yes, it will. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I know this is going to be a regular Vet Tech Cafe episode, but, you know, maybe we should uh, allow our guest into the tap room sometime, too, or, or maybe we can at least get her a, a beer tonight or something. We'll... That, w- that was suggested by, yeah. I remember we, we yeah. posed that question to the Patreons, yeah. like, what do, you, what do you want for your your money that you're giving us. And yeah. that was one of the things yeah. I believe that this guest asked us to do. So yeah. Yeah. So we'll make uh, that happen. So coming attraction. So that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, Dave, what's, what's new out there? What's, what's new in, in your neck of the woods? Still, still recovering from IVEX back into the swing of things and, and, and working shifts, planning for some travel trips in October. So I'll be going to Austin at some point. I'll be going out to Charlotte at some point. So Busy travel month coming mm. up. <laughs> kind of dreading it after I've been doing a lot of traveling. <laughs> but things are things are okay here. You know, I I, I posted we just lost our 16-year-old Whippet, so I'm still yeah. struggling with that a little bit. Um, sure. The little dog, Violet, has been keeping me company this week, so that, that's that been helpful. But, nice. you know, still still dealing with that and uh, finding new things that, you know, when you, when you lose a pet, you, you don't realize how much the things that you do for them every day is part of your routine. Yeah. And the first day was just like a smack in the face of like, I didn't have to get up at two in the morning to let him out because he routinely got up two in the morning to have to go out. And, mm. you know, I'm still waking up at two, three in the morning, but you know, it's, it's that, <laughs> uh, well, I guess I don't have to get up. I'm just going to try and go back to sleep, but right, you right. Know, we're dealing and uh, yeah. trying to get through that. But the caffeinators, uh, I posted that on our mental health Monday to send me old dog pictures and that was extremely well supported and i thank you all for doing that that was yeah it was great to see all your old dogs it was yeah great. there was a, a ton of traffic on i on know that post you got a lot of support there that was really yeah. really really cool to see yeah 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 definitely um so how are things going out there uh good um i'm getting up at two o'clock in the morning for other reasons um <laughs> namely namely my daughter uh, when she decides it's it's time but uh, that's much more few and far between although it was last night and of course having to work early in the morning um you know that that always is a struggle but 
Um, yeah. She's otherwise happy and healthy and just the, the sweetest, most happy baby. So I, I can't complain really one bit. At, um, at some point, we're going to do an episode. We're going to be like, oh, it, it is such a struggle with this kid. I but know. I know. It's coming. So far, it's, it's coming. Not so, so far, it hasn't <laughs> happened. And, and honestly, you know, the struggles that we have are, are really few and far between and really quite minor. Yeah. So so pretty, pretty happy there. Yeah, fingers crossed that it, it stays that way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm doing some CE this weekend. It'll This, of course, will have already uploaded, but um, for vet CE, I'm doing a part of a toxicology series with a couple of the veterinarians I work with. Um, I'm pretty excited about that. I tried recording my lecture the last few days, but you know I had a, um, a cold or some viral thing, non-COVID related, and and uh, I lost my voice for a couple of days, and and it was a struggle to talk for 50 minutes and record my lecture because it's one you have to record and upload. Mm-hmm. Without coughing, without like my voice cracking or, you know, it just, it, it's getting a little bit better every day, but talking on the phone for 10 hours for work, um, it's, it's, it's taking a beating on me. So hopefully I get through tonight's episode without too much event. Um, I do have a nice, I know this is a vet tech cafe, but I have a nice cold beer to, to keep washing down my, my voice box. So hopefully it'll hold Perfect. out. And I'm, I'm just going to throw this in here too. I'm really excited. I got Packers tickets for a game next month at Lambeau. I'm going to the Jets nice, game nice. for the taking a long weekend. And it's just me going, uh, Molly and dad, oh, wow. here. they're going to take a girl's weekend and meet another young mom friend of hers and hang out for the weekend. And I'm, I'm going out there for a game. So super nice. jazzed, super jazzed. So yeah, any, yeah. any, uh, Green Bay, Wisconsinite caffeinators, um, I'm going to be in Green Bay for a couple nights. Would love to meet up, have a beer and chat. So message us if you're uh, if you're around and yeah. interested so anyway yeah. that's enough of of that's, that's that's enough about us let's 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 <laughs> let's 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 get to our guest here really really excited um for tonight's guest you know her you love her um we have her on here kind of every year as as a anniversary episode if you will every time we start a new year for the vet tech cafe we have liz houston come by and um, she's just so in tune with everything that's going on in, in veterinary medicine and in our little niche specifically, but much more even on a broad scale than, than I can even comprehend. So it's always really great to check in with her and see what trends she's seeing and what she's working on. So we have her back again tonight. So Liz, I know it's it's late for us on the West Coast. It's it's almost seven o'clock for us. It's it's uh, the, the vet tech almost cafe is, <laughs> is becoming the vet tech tap room here very quickly. Um, can we get you a cup of pumpkin spice latte decaf or 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 a pumpkin yeah. beer yes, perhaps? Please. No decaf. Mm, mm. Oh, okay. I'll take a pumpkin beer. <laughs> okay, I okay. I, I, ju- I just yes. I'm not going to turn down I, anything. Me either. I just tapped a fresh year. keg, so I'll get you a pour here real soon. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, oh, excellent! You know, excellent. I, I, I think one question I want to ask you off the top is: What are you doing for? work currently like are you still doing relief i know you're president obviously of national veterinary professionals union we'll talk about that are you just focusing on that what is kind of your professional life look like currently yeah great great question thank you guys both also for having me back i'm i always you know i always <laughs> love talking with you uh, anytime but i'm always happy to come back to the cafe so thank you so much um for having me again this year really most of my time these days is spent with unionization stuff and that it's just, it's building. I mean, interest is building and and awareness of us is building. And so, you know, actual 
organizing activity, it's a little tougher. It's a little slower, but, but the interest and the awareness is, is building. And I can't ask for much more than that at four years in. And especially when organizing is done on a practice by practice basis, it's totally grassroots and it takes a lot of work. It's hard for people to really dive in and decide they're going to, yeah. they're going to do it. And so, you know, I get that, but I think just the awareness I'm really gratified by, and I love talking with people about uh, organizing, about how they can make their work lives better. And so, I mean, that ends up being a lot of the ancillary conversation around it too, is, is this right? Am I being treated well? How do I negotiate a raise? Like, this is a really interesting topic that I've been thinking a lot about. Like, do I need to start working on a presentation for conferences where I'm like, here's how you, here's how you negotiate a raise. Here's how, like, here's the data Mm -hmm. you can collect. Here's how you can, you know, figure out what you're contributing to your practice, the skills that you've gained, the knowledge that you've gained, whatever it is, like, how do you monetize that? Because that's a lot of, a lot of what I do is, Hey, that's like, that's not right. What they're doing in your workplace. Here are resources for you to help you fix that problem. And then how do I, how do I advocate for myself or my team in the workplace? So yeah, that's taking a lot of my time. I'm Dave and I talked a little bit before we started recording about credentialing because I'm the credentialing committee chair for Mm. the internal medicine Academy. We're recording this on the 21st of September. I know it's not going to upload until that tech week, but uh, ap- when when this uploads, applications will have just right. been due. So everybody uh-huh. will be breathing a huge sigh of relief and starting the new anxiety <laughs> hamster wheel of waiting for the acceptance. Uh, but, so, but they don't have um, to they don't have to stock yeah. the mailman anymore, right? Like I no, mean, like don't. we had That's to right. like we had to be out at the mail. Like That's we right. had to walk uphill both ways to school oh, in the yeah. snow. No, it's, but we had to stand outside. Yeah, yeah I was like, out of at town. the mailbox. I was out of town the day that my ECC letter arrived and I had to have my pet sitter who was here taking care of the animals. I was like, yeah. okay, please open it, open it and read it to me. <laughs> no. Yeah. We don't have to do that. Yeah. Liz, I don't, I don't know really if I, I told you this, the, um, the pinning ceremony at IVEX was in the oh, yeah. ballroom that we took our exam in, in 2012. I walked in oh, and, I, and I saw the chandeliers oh. and I twitched a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is, mm. oh, that definitely let's, would bring back some, let's, some let's, uh, a little bit, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Sure. That was, let's, that let's was, read the, <laughs> let's read the room a little bit and, and yeah. any, any other room in the hotel. I mean, it was, it was right. 10 years Pick ago. And I think I, I'm probably the only one that recognized it. Uh, probably yeah. not. No. Cause, cause every, everyone that, that took the test in there that I told her like, oh, was it? I'm like, yes, yes. It most definitely <laughs> yeah. was. Yeah. yeah. For sure. yeah. Well, well, <laughs> anyways. Yeah. Yes. And so I am, I've signed up with a relief company out here in Northern California, but most of the places that they work with are in the East Bay. And so, you know, I'm, I'm getting <laughs> old now. I'm, I'm an old lady tech and I don't want to drive vintage, an hour your vintage for tech. a relief shift. So yes. vintage, thank you. Vintage tech. So I don't want to drive an hour for a shift, you know, and then work 10 hours Mm -hmm. and then drive an hour back. So I haven't picked up any of those shifts yet. You know, I haven't looked into some of the newer emergency practices that have opened close to me and starting to do relief there. But that is that's going to be I think when stuff comes down with um, with uh, applications, that'll be my next step. So, yeah, since the pandemic started, you know, my husband is older than I am. 
and before the vaccines and everything, he asked me to really not work really because we were really worried about COVID. Both of us are still COVID virgins so far. So yeah, cheers to that. (laughs) Cheers to that. And so, you know, uh, I feel really fortunate that I'm able to do that, that I can really focus on union stuff that I can focus on the credentialing committee, you know, my, my volunteer things because they are time consuming. And so I'm really, I just feel incredibly fortunate. I have a supportive partner and I'm able to, to do that without, um, yeah, yeah, you know, for sure. without worrying for too sure. much, but I'm really, Ooh, I, my dog has been dealing with some internal medicine issues. And so every, like I had to take him to the emergency room and then I was like, like really mm-hmm. Jones. Yeah. Like, can I just come in just like, can I just come in and help a little bit? And then he had to see IM. And so we, I was, they actually let me come back into the IM area in the new hospital. And the tech that is working in the IM department is like, Oh, do you want to, do you want to draw blood on your dog? I was like, well, I have never been able to successfully hit my own animal's veins. So I will hold and it'd be great if you drew the blood. But then there was another patient there. They were trying to sedate. I was like, do you, they, you know, everybody is, low staff. So I was like, do you want me to hold for you while you sedate him? You know, you give him his injection of Torb. She's like, oh my God, really? You don't mind? I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> and I was just there last week for a recheck and they call over the intercom. They called a code. Yeah. They called the code. And I was like, do you need, do you guys need help with compressions or anything? You're critiquing Can and I stuff. Can I come <laughs> back? No, I didn't go back. I held I'm off. telling you, I, I actually kind of wonder what's wrong with me because I don't miss it a bit. I'm, I don't I'm think not, there's I'm anything even, wrong with you. I'm VTSECC, I'm not even recover certified. And I, unless they require it for the academy, I had zero interest in going to get certified. I love watching it and I love watching the battles and all of that stuff. And I loved participating in, in CPR, but it was just like I was kind of phasing out. And I, yeah, yeah. I, have, I had zero interest. But that's the thing is you found, I mean it's such a great, like one of the things I love about your podcast and, you know, about the two of you as kind of models and leaders in, in veterinary technology is demonstrating the varied career paths we have available to us. Right. Like Jeff, yeah, you're a VTS ECC. I'm a VTS ECC. Dave's a VTS ECC. Each of us have totally varied paths where we now are in our career. And you have always loved toxicology and to be able to find a job that allows you to do that every day to do exactly what it is that you love, as opposed to working in an ER where you might get one or two toxin cases a night and that most of them are going to be boring, (laughs) right? It's going to be a chocolate toxicity or a pot toxicity (laughs) or yeah, like it's not, you don't get the really cool stuff that you get on the phone because you guys are getting all the cool stuff on the phone. And that, you know, I think, anything that that yeah. energizes us i think for me you know the union work has really tapped into my desire to advocate for people to champion the cause of veterinary technicians and veterinary support teams more broadly to elevate us to kind of what i consider our proper place on the veterinary team. And that I think has been a fulfillment that I didn't even realize that's what I was working towards. And then being here, it's like, oh, this is where I was yeah. always meant to be, to yeah. be doing this. Yeah, time. I I, I've got a follow up about unions uh, and something that I was thinking of when you were, you were talking about this. When I think of unions, uh, I think of 
like factory workers or electricians that are that yeah. are in that yeah. career and probably in the same job for yeah. 20, 30, 40 years. And yeah. when I think about a veterinary technician union, you know, a, a job where we, we've said it over and over and over again, the lifespan of a technician is five to seven years. How do you how do you frame right. the the union model with, you know, something that is traditionally a, a very long career into something that potentially yeah. is so short? I, I know like the electricians union, they're able to be in the union and move from job to job and not have any repercussions or changes. Yes, kind but of. how do you do that in the vet, yes, vet tech kind of. world where you'll be working one practice in a union and then go to a practice that doesn't have a union? Is is that how do you, how do you navigate that? So in the United States, we don't have what's known as sectoral bargaining. Well, I take that back. We now have one sectoral bargaining thing in the United States. And that is Gavin Newsom, Governor Gavin Newsom in California just signed a law that created a sectoral bargaining um, situation for fast food workers. So now every anybody who works for a fast food chain in the state of California has access to union rights and they will collective bargain basically at the you know, with all of the fast food outlets in the state to create standards for job conditions, standard for pay and benefits, all of that. That's sectoral bargaining, right? So then if you work at McDonald's or Burger King or In-N-Out or whatever fast food chain there is, you will have the same pay and benefits based on where you go. That like, that's right. very broad. I'm not into the details of that law. In traditional, quote unquote, labor organizing, what happens is it is a practice by practice or company by company or job site by job site. In the case of carpenters, electricians, stuff like that, those are union work sites and workplaces. So if you were an electrician and you are a part of the electrician's union, you're, you're a member of a local usually. And then what what you'll do is you it's incumbent on you as a union member to only take jobs at union shops, right? So that's a, a work site or a company that has committed to follow the follow the union bargaining agreement that the union has made with that company, right? So this is why you see the Teamsters with their giant inflatable rat at uh, work sites and things like that, because what happens is those places will hire non-union workers. And then the union right. doesn't like that because of course they're there to advocate for their workers to make sure that their workers are protected, that they're getting the benefits that they should. And you know, they what unions do is hold corporate America's feet to the fire to make sure that workers are treated fairly, that they have fair and safe working conditions, that they're paid in an equal way, right? So that you don't allow a company to bring in underpaid workers to do the work of union workers. So the film industry is a great example of this. You join the gaffers union, for example, or you are a gaffer within IATSE or whatever it is. But then this is why, like on a movie set, you cannot touch a roll of electrical tape if you are not a gaffer, because the union is there to make sure that all of that kind of work has to be done by a union member, right? Yeah. Same with, I mean, the Screen Actors Guild is a union. The mm -hmm. NFL Players Association yeah. is a union, right? The NFL can't just hire 
someone off the street, pay them a lot less, right? right? Their rookie minimums, their position minimums, whatever it is, they can't get a, they can't do that because the union is there. So in vet med, wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing and awesome to have people stay in this field for 15 to 20 years, right? Because their workplace was safe, because they weren't overworked, because they weren't asked to do things outside of their uh, training or ability that they had adequate staffing and safety measures in place to make sure that they didn't Mm -hmm. ruin their bodies, that their mental health was protected, that they had benefits, that they had healthcare, all of these things. If we had these things in veterinary medicine, I truly believe the lifespan of a technician, we would extend it. I mean, a lot of the people who started this movement in San Francisco with the ILWU, you know, some of those technicians have been working at that hospital for 15 years. Some of them have been in vet med for 20, 25 years. These are long term. These are people who have made this their career and they've gotten very little in return from the profession in response to their commitment. So it is a challenge. The challenge for us right now with organizing is it's a practice by practice effort. So that's number one. The idea is, and, and we can see this now with Starbucks, right? There are 250 or something individual Starbucks locations that have organized. And so the idea is at some point, Howard Schultz is going to decide that it makes more sense. It's going to cost him less in legal fees to have one national table, mm-hmm. right? Where they bargain instead of trying to bargain at 250 different <laughs> tables, yeah. because that's how labor organizing works, right? So we look at, for example, the Amazon union, one warehouse, and that was really organized behind the strength and charisma charisma of one guy. Uh, And he was able to organize that warehouse, but we haven't seen other warehouses follow suit. So now Amazon is able to employ some typical union busting techniques of delaying and and suing and different tactics to try and make sure that no one else even thinks about organizing because he's going to make they're going to make life difficult right, right. for people at that warehouse. This is what happened in Blue mm-hmm. Pearl, North Seattle. Right. We're going to make we're going to give everybody else, every other Blue Pearl in Seattle. We're going to give them raises. We're going to improve their benefits but we're not going to do that at your hospital because you've unionized. What's a person going to do when they can get another job? It's a, it's a five minute drive difference. They can be paid more. They can have better benefits, not be berated all the time for being in a union hospital. Like, I mean, we are in a situation where people live paycheck to paycheck. If you're going to give them a $4 an hour raise, they're Mm going to leave. Mm -hmm. Of course it's a union busting strategy. So, I want what I want. I mean, this is a long, long, long term goal is I want us to be a profession. I want us to be like Mm -hmm. RNs, right? You have RNs working in hospital systems. They've been there 15, 20, 25 years. You see Mm -hmm. RNs retire in their 80s, right? Who worked at one hospital for 30 years. I want that for veterinary medicine. I am not convinced that corporate veterinary medicine wants that. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty Correct. sure they Correct. don't want yeah. that. 
for lots of for lots of reasons. And that and that is a fundamental disconnect. And when we start talking about technician empowerment or utilization, when we start talking about how do we increase longevity and retention in the field, there is a fundamental disconnect between the people who hold the purse strings and the people at ground level doing the work yeah. in terms of what is what it's going to take sure. to make that happen? I, you know, our our most recent episode we released was with uh, Leslie Wurzak from University of Tennessee, and and her and I were talking about, mm -hmm. you know, she's been at University of Tennessee for thirty something years, and and really when I was at Tufts yeah. University, that was the first time I had worked with people that had been at Tufts for twenty, twenty five, thirty years, but. It was because of your university benefits. It was the academic calendar. That's right. It, at some point, you know, I think so many of us start out in this field when we're really young and it's about the dollars. But then at some point, it becomes yeah. less about the dollars and more about the benefits. And for all if of the, they're even there, if they're there, right. Uh, but for all of the problems in academia, it's really hard to compare or, or compete with university benefits and what have you, because it's for the entire university system that you just happen to be a small part of. Right. And, and even I now have that too with the ASPCA. I, I have ASPCA benefits and, and they're unlike anything I've seen before in veterinary medicine, but it's because it's, it's the entire company yeah. at large, but it's, it's, it's so interesting because at some point, like if if that doesn't necessarily matter to the people, I don't know if the people are going to care about the change. And and you talk about That's you know it. having that that That's one it. person right, <laughs> that one person in a facility to drive this, to to be the leader, to take the reins, to coordinate it. Mm -hmm. We we don't we don't mm -hmm. have a lot of That's those people in veterinary medicine. I don't. I, yeah. I don't. yeah. <laughs> they are out there. They are out there. What they're doing is they are getting frustrated sure. and then yeah. they're leaving. True. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the fair. Yeah. problem. So if I can catch them sooner, if I can catch people and convince them to join collectively with their coworkers, you know, in solidarity to create the workplace they want to see or, or preserve the workplace they have, then that is that's what's going to spur the change. And, and what I do, what happens now is I might hear from a person who says, you know, I've been working here. I just gave my notice, but they need a union. How can I make, how can they get a union there? Yeah. Well, yeah. You're leaving. Yeah. So that you're going to find someone who's still there who will do this and put them in touch with me and I will help them. Um, I hear from veterinarians. My team needs a union. How can I make this happen? I'm like, you can't make this happen. It has to be the team. The team has to do this. So find someone on the team who wants to, to do this and put them in touch with me. I will help them. I hear from outside people. Like I'm a sales rep and this hospital is treating their team like garbage. They need a union. I'm like, I, you're probably right. <laughs> right Have right. them get in touch with me. Right. You can't do it. There is a, a, a lack of knowledge about labor in general. I don't think many of us know even our right, our basic rights in the workplace. So that's number one. And these companies mm -hmm. take advantage of that, right? They want oh, young yeah. people. They want new people because they yeah. won't know what they're entitled to, what's safe and what's dangerous, what fair pay is, what benefits are, right? There's this, um, oh, we have this great 401k program, but no one in the practice knows what a 401k is or understands how it works or understands matching. Like, 
you know, so you can tout all of these benefits all you want, but if you're not actually educating your people and they don't have any, there's no reason for them to do that. <laughs> it is right. not in their interest to do that. And so that's where I feel like unions really can step in and say, look, here's what you're entitled to, whether you're a union member or not. Here's what labor can do, but here's what it takes to get to the point where you can, where you have access to those rights. And of course, we can look at just, just historically, unions have been in on the decline since the late 70s. And then, you know, Reagan, the Reagan administration just gutted labor laws. And we've just been trying to claw our way back to recover from that for so long. And the owners, build, business owners, bosses have way more power yeah. than workers do, even collectively, even as a union. Um, and so we really just have to fight for what we need. And it's hard because people are tired. People work paycheck to paycheck. When you look at Maslow's hierarchy, right? You look at the pyramid. If you're not meeting the base of that pyramid, if people can't put food on the table, if they can't live on one paycheck, it's hard for them to get higher up on that pyramid of self-actualization, right? And fighting for yourself or your coworkers, it becomes for sure. Challenging to do you, that. You made a you made a really interesting point in there that I, I think maybe a lot of people don't realize. You had said, what if a veterinarian contacts you, something like that about about unionization? And I I feel like maybe yeah. lost in this is that this is the veterinary professionals union. And if you're in a hospital, the CSRs, the kennel attendants, the veterinary assistants, veterinary technicians, and veterinarians, they are all on the same team. This is not technicians. Yes. But veterinarians can't right, be part of right. our union. So veterinarians are excluded. We represent everyone who works in the veterinary hospital except okay. for veterinarians or okay. management. And veterinarians can't be in because they direct work. Every practice act in the country has the veterinarian at the top of the hierarchy, right? In terms of deciding who gets what assignment, who does what, that's the law. So because that's the law, they can't be in our union because our union is legally classified as a quote unquote non-professional union, which means we can't have people who direct work. Okay. They're, they're not, they're non-professionals, but it's the veterinary professionals union. That's right. Okay. <laughs> because I believe we yes. are professionals. Oosh. This is a legal distinction, okay. right? Non-professional. Okay. Yeah. Does that ever create any, any, any problems? The name? The name? No. Not so far, okay. except the veterinarians wanted well, yeah. want so, to yeah. be in it. And I tell them they can't. Gotcha. And they so so before <laughs> do, do veterinarians have a union? I was just going to ask. So before we go to break, what would they do? Well, okay. great yeah. question. Great question. It is possible that one of our union partners is interested in organizing it's veterinarians. possible, huh? Okay. okay. I don't fair, want to give fair. too much away. There is a, there's a group that is a union for doctors and dentists. And I talked with them briefly about maybe representing veterinarians, but it didn't, we're not certain about that, but perhaps one of my partner unions may be interested in organizing veterinarians. They organize other professionals. So it is, um, okay. it is a possibility. Great. And then I don't know how that would work because then it's, you're getting into like carpenter, electrician, that kind of yeah, plumber, yeah. right? Those kinds of unions. And I'm not sure exactly 
the okay. mechanics of that. But my okay. union partner. Okay. No. You've, I mean, you've got enough to deal with with what you're dealing with. You don't right, have to right, figure right, out something right. you're not what? involved in. <laughs> yeah, veterinarians see. can fend for themselves. Uh, <laughs> well, that's, that sounds like a tagline. The, the the vet tech cafe where veterinarians can fend for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Self serve coffee only. For veterinarians, everybody else. You're on your own. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Why don't we take a little break here and we'll, we'll pay some bills and we'll be back after the break. The Vet Tech Cafe is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online that's more affordable than traditional in-person therapy and financial aid is available. Caffeinators receive 10% off the first month using BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, to join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Don't take our word for it. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily at BetterHelp.com reviews. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash reviews. If you want to take charge of your mental health, visit BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe and get started today and get 10% off your first month. Be well, caffeinators. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Vet Tech Cafe, where an East Coast, West Coast rap battle could break out at any minute. Um, so <laughs> I, West Coast. Oh, that that one is that one has been in the in the in the roster for forever, and I've been waiting for another West Coast person to come on for for me to be able to use that. So, Liz, we just had our ad for BetterHelp, and uh, we always like to ask our guests, and, and you're no exception to that. How do you manage your mental health with everything that you're dealing with now? How do you how do you get away, what? and how do you how do you deal with it? I'm gonna say. A small part of me was dreading this conversation because our last conversation, you guys talked about yes. your non-vet days and uh, you were very encouraging of me to yes. also take non-vet days. And I feel like I have only been partially successful. So I'm going to tell on myself, but it really stuck with me. And I have been trying really, really hard to have non-vet days. It is, it's challenging. And sometimes I fudge it for myself, right? Like mm -hmm. you, you're only hurting yourself when, when you fudge it. But sometimes I'm like, well, this isn't really that. This is like, you know, I don't know. But I have gotten much better about boundaries around my time in terms of when I do calls, like for the union and things like that, because that really organizing can be a 24 hour job. It, like if, if you let it. And so I have really been working on my boundaries That's since great. our last conversation and finding ways to step away. So I just want to tell you how much I appreciate that too, because it has helped keep me accountable knowing I'm like, oh, <laughs> we're going to talk about non-vet days. I need to be sure that I have done something for my mental health. And that, you know, I think it is so important that we do these things for ourselves. And I don't think that people realize how important it is until they actually do them and recognize how much mm -hmm. better they feel. And I can say that from personal experience. I, I will sure. say I've been, you know, the, when we first started talking about doing the non-vet day, I was, 
I, I struggled and I, I made it happen. And I will admit in the last few months, I have, I have had a hard time having those non non vet days. Jeff, I know you've, you've been able to do that because you just got off paternity leave. You had yeah, non vet months. I was out so, of work for a while. Yeah. 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 Um, but I, I have lately, I have really struggled to have my non vet days. I really admire Jeff. I really admired you because you did a really good job of maintaining mm-hmm. your boundaries. I'm going to tell you, during your paternity that was actually leave. my job. Like I, I talked to my, my immediate yeah. manager, there was like a, a little training session. I was getting a notification for by an email that was due in a certain amount of days. And I said, Hey, do I, do I need to do this? Like I can log on and do this. No problem. And he said, no, you're on leave. You like that will be there when you come That's back. Right. And he's like, you can check your email if you want to, while you're gone, but we encourage you not to, um, you're going to have 500 emails when you get back to sift through. But they'll be here when right. you get back, and that that doesn't exist. What a great right. manager! That, just, what a great that doesn't manager. exist in our world, really. And I, I got to be very honest. You know, as I, as I was coming to the end of that time, I was like, "Do I actually want to go back?" Like I, I've, you know, other than <laughs> yeah. this podcast, I've I've been, you know, it's been non vet days, and Dave and I do this, you know, uh, kind of pretty much all the time. But it was it was actually like been really nice, like. You know, my, my wife's an emergency veterinarian. Like, could I actually just be a stay at home dad? And yeah, but I pull the benefits for our family. So here we are, (laughs) Uh, but, 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 but to the same, to the same thing though, it actually has helped me since I've been back to work to like refocus on that. And you know, it's those days off or my days off. And I really, really, really pick and choose about what I do. And it's, it's hard. You're absolutely right. And again, it, it, even if it's a different day every week, a couple of times a month, like, it really can be re-energizing. That's, that's what I, that's how I feel about it. Is it really, I think like having been away from the clinic floor for the amount of time that I have now, basically since the beginning of the pandemic, you know, I feel like if, if I got back there, (laughs) like when I get back on to clinical work, I'm going to be so jazzed. Like, I think maybe I'll try to work like 14 hours, I think it will be, I will have to be setting limits for myself to not do those 14 hour shifts, 15 hour shifts, whatever it is, because I, I know how energized I get when I'm in the environment. And I think, and if, you know, but if I had been doing this through the pandemic and I mean, I talk to people who have worked, Mm -hmm. I mean, Dave, Mm -hmm. you know, just working in the, in the clinic all through this, it has been tough, tough. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think also for people like us that have that have other things to do in the veterinary space, it it is harder for us to get away because I mean, I remember when I was I don't want to use the term just a technician, but when my only job was being a technician on the floor, like I had days off where I didn't think about work, I didn't do anything with work, but now that you know, we have committees and and the yeah. podcasts and all these other interests that we have yeah. within the field. And I, again, it's one of those things that is, is the uh, personality traits of technicians that have lasted this long in the field is that we always want to do more. We always yeah. want to do more yeah. than, than just work on the yeah. floor. And, and, you know, that that's what energizes us, but it's also what drains us so much. Yeah. 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 That's why we have to be really careful with our boundaries. Yeah. And that's something actually really working, volunteering for Nambi when they brought on some paid staff, like they got big enough, right? That they started, oh, Dave's wearing his Nambi shirt. <laughs> um, when they got big enough and they ha- they were bringing on trained staff and like they, they were hiring social workers to work there. And that has been great because they really force 
us veterinary professionals who are all in, right? Perfectionist, you know, neurotic, all of those things. They force us to to do those things, to take care of ourselves. To one of the the women who came, one of the first staffers that came on, she she made all of us read a book about boundaries by Nedra Tawab, which was amazing. That is it. Being conscious with your yeses, being conscious with your noes, being clear about boundaries, and then holding boundaries, but in a way that is flexible enough that allows you to take advantage of opportunities that may push up against those boundaries, right? But but being conscious mm-hmm. about it. So knowing when you make that decision, what it is that you're agreeing to and what you're sacrificing when you agree to right. that, which has been hugely helpful for me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So- that's what I've been doing for my yeah, mental health is thinking about how I'm going to disappoint the vet tech cafe. If I don't have, <laughs> if I haven't had non-vet things. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe we should, uh, we should, we should make that a post of like, tell us what you're doing for your non-vet days and actually forcing yeah. people to do that. Well, not forcing, but yeah. you know, encouraging yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. But like you guys could take pictures of what you do on your non-vet yeah. day. Right. And, and post that and say, show us what you're doing on your non-vet day. Yeah. I think that's great. I think it's a wonderful thing to yeah. encourage people to do. I need more hobbies, actually. So if anyone has suggestions for <laughs> hobbies, hit me up because I need and more we hobbies. we actually need to come up with, there's pain awareness month, there's dental month. We need to come up yeah. with non-vet day. Yeah. Just right. non-vet day. Let's make it yeah. happen. Yeah. 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 And, and one day a hash, week. It's yeah. not a no, lot. Not. Out of seven days in the week, hash, one yep. day a Hashtag week is non-vet day and what are you doing for it? Yeah. Yeah. And in football season, like now we are in football season. Sunday is my non-vet day. <laughs> Heck that yes. is a football Sunday day. Sunday would be. I work, there is no. <laughs> I work Wednesday through Saturday for a reason. Yeah. Other than the fact that the episode uploads on Sundays. Yeah. I, I, I would definitely make Sunday be my non, non-vet day. But because there's yeah. stuff to do with the episode on Sunday that I, I can't. I can't do it that way. But if you like college football, you could make Saturday your non-vet day. Yeah, sadly, I'm usually still editing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, one question we always ask everybody, and I'm pretty sure we've asked you this before, and I'm going to actually ask you to put the union aside for a second and just say, for the veterinary technician profession, through your lens, where do you see us now? Yeah, I am um, really gratified by the amount of attention that seems to be currently directed at veterinary support teams generally, but really at credentialed veterinary technicians. There is a lot, there are a lot of different people talking about what to do about fixing the crisis that we're in. So people are coming at this from lots of different Mm -hmm. angles. You know, when we start talking about spectrum of care, which is starting to become a real big talking point in vet med, how can we, and it's being forced on us, right, by the by the crisis, by not being able to see pets as quickly as we once could. You know, people are overloaded. We don't have enough veterinarians. We don't have enough team. So how do we provide better spectrum of care? Maybe telehealth, right? Like all of these things are kind of percolating in the background that have been instigated by this workforce crisis that we're, that we're in. And the focus is on credentialed technicians. That is where I can feel the gaze of the veterinary profession turning to 
credentialed technicians really, I feel like for the first time in my career, I've been doing this now since 2000, I started school in 2004, so 18 years. And this is the first time I really feel like there is truly a movement to make real concrete things happen for credentialed technicians, especially, but really for the entire team. There are movements in every state now to protect the credential technician title. And I think a lot of this has been driven to a large extent by the VNI and maybe either either on purpose or as a function of getting shut down on the nurse side because nurses have come and said, you have done absolutely nothing to protect your title. You are never going to use our title because you can't protect your mm-hmm. own. Like, why would we, why would we not fight you when right now you have people everywhere using your title willy nilly with no requirements and you're doing nothing about it. And that is starting to change. And I feel like that this is the groundwork that needed to be done before we started a change, a title change discussion is this groundwork, protecting our title in every state. Uh, making sure that only credentialed technicians can be called can be called technician or any variation thereof. The, the worst, I mean, my my worst fears have been realized around the VNI, which is that there are places where they call everyone nurse. There are places where they call all the uncredentialed people nurse and the credentialed people technician. There are places that reverse that. It is a mess. Yeah. We got to clean up the mess. We have to have real enforcement. California has just passed regulations where they're going to start fining people for violating title protection. This is going to create a change. This is what they did in Tennessee. And Leslie, I don't know if she talked about the fines and stuff like that, but enforcement is a real thing in Tennessee. And for a long time, it was not. States are following suit, you know, and Meg was on talking about what's going on in Arkansas. Uh, California just added BTSs to their practice act. Mississippi is adding uh, BTSs to their practice act. They already have technologists in the Mississippi practice act, which is amazing. So all of these things, I can really feel that momentum shifting. It brings me a lot more hope than I've had than I've had for the past few years, where it's feel, felt very, very frustrating, like I've just been banging my head up against the wall. It feels like that wall is starting to move. A little, a little bit, a little, a little <laughs> hey, bit. <laughs> small I, I worry a lot that a lot of these things that we're, you know, you and, and others are, are fighting for may not actually come to fruition while we're still in the profession. Well, you know, I mean, I'll just stay in out of spite until, they, <laughs> until the change actually happens. So <laughs> no one's getting but, rid but of I, me I, until the change But I think a lot of happens. these things may, may not actually be realized and may be finalized because- yeah. I mean, yeah. like you said, we've been fighting for some of these things for decades, and yeah, I, I don't see us like, I don't see us at the finish line of of if we just get no X Y and oh, Z across no. the finish we line. We are nowhere, yeah, we're nowhere even finish. close no. to the finish line. So <laughs> no, but the thing now I think is we are starting to come into our own voice and our mm-hmm. own power of instead of just being thankful to be asked yeah. to be at the table. Like, no, I'm done with that. That <laughs> yeah. attitude doesn't fly yeah. with me anymore. Yeah. We are co-equal members of the veterinary team. It's not, it's not a gift 
to include us in these right. discussions. Right. It is a necessity. This so so no more of oh I'm just so happy to be here. Uh uh-uh. uh, I deserve here. I deserve to be here. I deserve to be at this table. Our voices need to be heard, and we. We have earned this, and now you're going to listen to me. You're going to treat us as co-equal members of the team, and we are going to go forward and create change. Absolutely. If you had to say, if you had to pinpoint one missing piece to that puzzle, you know, about making that happen. <laughs> only one. Just one. I'm only giving you one puzzle piece. It's a one-hour yeah. show, Liz. It's a it's one-hour yeah. show. <laughs> We're already nearing that. Um, what, what would you, what would you kind of pinpoint as one missing puzzle piece to pushing this, not the last mile, cause we're nowhere yeah. near the last mile, the next no. mile. You guys, you guys talked about this in the last episode with Leslie. It, it has to start before these technicians get out into practice. So it has to start, which means it has to start with the AAVSB, with the AVMA yes. committee on education. Yes. These groups have to step up and make these veterinary colleges, my suggestion is that every veterinary program has to have, they have a mandatory, especially if they have a teaching hospital, a mandatory technician to student ratio. It doesn't have to be a high ratio. You know, one credentialed veterinary technician per 20 vet students. I don't know, whatever. I don't want to handcuff right, them. We're, right. we're in short supply, right? But they're not, in, you know, class sizes aren't increasing and the schools keep telling us they can't inc- increase class size. Okay, great. You guys have set your class sizes. Perfect. Now you have to hire credentialed veterinary technicians to, to in a ratio to your students. You have to stop using students as technicians yes. as assistants whatever their whatever their credentialing is you cannot use them as free labor in your hospitals that is not okay you have to model what practice looks right. like so that means that you have to stop using vet students as labor so like leslie said in her <laughs> in her talk she when when she when you guys were talking to her she's like well they have to learn nursing care they have to know about how to take care of animals no they don't they don't. They need to know doctor stuff. They need to learn how to do their four things, which are surgery, diagnosing, prescribing, and prognosticating. Those are their four things they have to learn. They don't have to learn anything else, really. Yeah. So I would like them to learn to spend more time learning how to do surgery because I see too many new veterinarians who come out who have never actually done surgery. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they've neutered a cat. <laughs> Like that's not yeah, okay. I will say in, in my time at Tufts, we actually had had kind of a, a, a bit of a revamping of the students' clinical rotations because they had scaled back a lot of those things. But there were complaints from the veterinary students that they weren't getting enough. They weren't getting to do enough stuff. And of course there were because every, because veterinary students don't realize right. that veterinary technician is a career right. and they don't think of it as exactly. a career. They think only veterinarian is the career. Right. And I know so many veterinarians who say, if I had known what being a veterinarian was versus being a veterinary technician was, I would have been a veterinary technician. And then the caveat always is, but you know, you can't make any money doing that. Uh, I can't get paid yeah. doing that. There's no respect well, I'll for tell that. You what, what... And that is what has killed our profession because we're not doing a good job of, you know, excuse the pun. We're not doing a good job of vetting these students before they go to vet yeah. school to determine what it is they really want right. to do. 
hey, you know what? Do I want to know all the things? Do I want to know what a veterinarian does? Yeah, yeah. I totally do. I want to know all the things. Do I want to do surgery? I do not. Right. Yeah. A, a lot of <laughs> So I'm never going to go to vet school. A lot of my veterinary colleagues at my job work where they do now to not do surgery. Right. Because where right. else can they do that exactly. in practice? They, you, you can't. Right. Um, you can't really. That's, right. Yeah, that's, exactly. that's, that's, that's a reality. And that, you know, I think we don't do a good enough job of... So that's my one thing. But if I if I could corollary <laughs> that, you know, I we said have one to work... puzzle piece. Liz. Gonna... Okay. If, if slip that but we have to one build the pipeline. But, but go ahead. And go, we have to build go that ahead pipeline. And take one more. Right? We have to we have to build that pipeline. We have to catch kids when they're young. They have to see that we have to model the behavior in practice so that they can see what these roles are. Yeah. Right. How many get? How many of your guests have said, "Oh, I ended up here because I didn't even know there was such a right. thing as at least right. half." Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, all the time. But who doesn't know that there is a whole career of right. nursing? Right. Right. No one thinks of working in a hospital as a stepping stone to being a right. doctor. That's right. not how that works. But that is how it works in veterinary medicine for for some reason. So that's the piece we need to change. And I believe that changes in vet school. They need to do a better job of figuring out who comes 100%. in, that the people who come in really understand what it is, what the job is that they're going to school for. And then they have to model that in the school. So they have to create the environment that matches yeah. what, what the ideal environment is out in practice. Oh, you are speaking my language. Yeah, you are I know. speaking my language. <laughs> I know. I know. And it's a challenge because we don't have a no. voice at that, at those tables. And that is really, that's where we need allies in these organizations and, or <laughs> allow us to join the organization yeah. so that we can contribute our voice to these discussions. Yeah. yeah. Or I, I mean, I guess as a last resort, what do we do? Just keep talking to younger veterinarians and hope they take the organization over. And, and ultimately a lot of the young veterinarians get it. Right. You talk to them and they're like, yeah, I never want to do, I don't want to do tech right. stuff. I want to diagnose. Yeah. I want to do surgery. I want to talk to owners about prognoses. I don't want to do puppy visits. Like I don't want to do puppy behavior talks. I don't want to do right. Most, most vets. So there are behavior vets. Obviously yeah. they like doing that stuff, but most of them don't want to do that stuff. I don't want to do insulin demos. I want to, I don't want to do feeding tube demos. I want to place the feeding tube and then I want to go yeah. on to the next thing. I want to see the next patient. And that the, the young ones get yeah. it and they get the importance of, of technicians and they are the ones who are going to change. Yeah. change I hear so much, you know, the, the argument of, well, you know, some of these students, they're going to end up in these rural areas where there just aren't credential veterinary technicians. They have to be able to do the one, they have to be the one to be able to do all this stuff. And, and I keep, especially after our episode with Meg Harrington, I, I just keep thinking yeah. to myself, if there's a Meg Harrington in Arkansas, there's a Meg Harrington everywhere <laughs> right. that can mm -hmm. do that right. stuff. And like, if you teach these people that this is what they need to be looking for and, and pay right. them and respect them and utilize them and all that, they will find right. them. They will find them and they will not have to do that. Right. And number one, that's not reality because guess where the big work, what veterinary workforce shortage is. It's in rural right. practice. So we already know that veterinarians don't want to work in rural practice. Why don't they want to work in rural practice? Maybe it's because they don't have adequate support and they have to do everything and they don't actually want to do everything. Maybe it's maybe it's all financial. I don't know because I don't do that research, right? But I know if I were a veterinarian graduating, 
why would I ever take a job in a hospital that didn't have credential technicians on staff? Why would I work there? And that is where the pressure is going to come on the profession, right? Because if new grads come out and they're advocating for themselves, their mental health, their work-life balance, and saying, I'm not going to come work here if you don't have a really solid support team, including credentialed veterinary technicians. I'm not going to work here. That's how we're going to weed all that out. Hopefully, yeah. Well, and I, I, I don't want to say I, I agree with the the rural vet argument of why they need to know those things, but to remove that conversation, remove that excuse, we have to be better about saying we need credential technicians in these practices. Right. And right. until we can do that, they're still going to be teaching vet students how to do technician stuff because yep. that dynamic still exists. And until we get rid of that dynamic, it, it's going to continue to go on. It's right. a circular, it's a circular it, it very, thing. Yeah, right? yeah for very, sure. And for it sure. becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And I yeah. can tell you, I mean, I worked with vets. I was at a practice where the team was highly utilized. We were utilized at the top. I mean, really the tippy, tippy top of what we could do. And still, and every time I confronted veterinarians about this, like, why do you learn how to place catheters in vet school? MDs don't learn how to place catheters in medical school. And they're like, well, because what if we go to work someplace and no, and there's no one there that can do it. But this was a, this was a practice where no one would have thought to ask of the veterinarian to to hit a difficult vein for a right. blood draw right. or to right. place a catheter. You're you're going to find a technician yeah. to do that. Yeah. And okay. So, so you put a catheter in that animal, who's going to manage the patient? Right. Who's going to actually right. run all of that stuff while you're doing other, like, come on, that is because not we can't the... make money if you're not out there doing the other right. things that make money right. for the practice. Exactly. Exactly. Seeing Great. patients, doing yeah. surgery, diagnosing diseases and giving prognoses. That's what makes yeah. money. That's what drives yeah. the revenue, but you need us to do the stuff to support you so that you can go and do that stuff. For sure. And that is the piece that is starting to get traction, that folks yeah. are starting to recognize that that's true. I agree. True. I agree. I know we're approaching the end of our hour, but I, I, I wanted to ask it. you. I know, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I wanted to ask you one more union question because I've seen several posts recently. I feel like, as you said, alluded to earlier, there's some good momentum. So I wanted you to just toot the horn of the work that you're doing and talk about some recent wins or some some emerging things or what may be on the horizon that you maybe are supposed to talk about, maybe not, or or what have you. But you know, just just allow yourself to celebrate a little bit. What what's going on there? Thank you. I appreciate that. We are super, super, super close to a contract in Washington at a small practice in Washington. We are, I mean, really down to the down to the nitty gritty getting this contract done and that is super exciting because that these workers will be represented jointly by the longshore workers and NVPU so they will be our first dues paying union members and I am stoked they're a fantastic group they have done an amazing job we have had a really really good collaborative negotiations at the bargaining table which has just been fantastic and i really think that this is a model of how it can and should work at other places i i don't want owners and and these corporations to be scared it what we we all want the same thing in that we want 
these hospitals to be successful. We want them to make a bunch of money so that they can afford to pay their people well and give them good benefits. And that's what, you know, we want the same thing that the, that the owners want. And it may mean a little tiny bit less profit, but you know, when we're talking about the kinds of profits that we see in veterinary medicine, I think that that really isn't too much to ask. But of course, I'm coming at it from a much different perspective. <laughs> so I will, I will say we are super, super close to a contract there. And I am just heartened by the number of people I hear from on a daily basis, weekly basis, who want to create change at their practice. They want to, they love where they work. They want it to be the best it can be. And they believe that joining together collectively with their team, that they can do that. And that, and I love facilitating that for people. And so I'm super proud of this team in Washington. Shout out to all creatures in Bremerton, Washington. And I cannot wait for them to have their contract and, and have a chance to vote on it, to ratify it. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how we can improve their work lives and their lives in general. And that's great. And that is the part um, that I really want to do for everybody. And like, I'll just put a plug in. If you love your practice, they do amazing things for you. Maybe they pay a hundred percent of your premiums. Maybe they have food there for you every day. Maybe they have an amazing PTO policy. If you like it a lot, you should organize because that's the only way you can preserve the things you love. Because if you don't organize, companies can change those things at the drop of a hat on their whim at any at any time with no notice. So if you love what is going on at your hospital right now, you should organize. Don't wait until you hate it. Don't wait until yeah. you're miserable. Do it. Do it now. Well, yeah, I think that's the sure. mindset too, right? You, you don't really do anything like this until you're upset. And that that's an excellent no, point is that the time if you're... to do it is when you're happy, <laughs> yeah. when you love what's going on. Oh, and you're like, yeah. I love this. I want to keep this. I want to be sure if we go into a recession, I want to be sure this company doesn't stop paying my health care premiums. Like I love that they're doing that. Is there any more vet med MO than we don't do anything until there's a problem? <laughs> like <laughs> everywhere, everywhere. No pain, no change. That's, uh, that's I, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's yeah. the deal. That's the deal. All right. Awesome. That's the well, deal. All, um, all creatures up in Seattle, the vet tech, vet tech cafe supports you. Great job on, on all the, everything that you're doing up there. Yay, um, thank you. They're we fantastic. should probably wrap up here soon, but I would definitely want to ask you, we, we asked this of every guest, who would you recommend we put in your seat next? So obviously, as we've said time and time again, we don't know everybody and we need help getting, getting yeah. awesome ideas or awesome people to talk to. Who's next? I've been thinking a lot about this. I know this is the Vet Tech Cafe, but I also know you had, you've had some non-vets. And someone that I think would be super interesting to talk to is Kelly Drescher Johnson, who is a NOMV team member. She's a NOMV volunteer. She is a chaplain and she has found a way to integrate her chaplaincy with her work as a CSR. And I think CSRs are I mean, the most abused, uh, most underrated members of the team, maybe in some places. And I would love for her to have a platform to talk about what it is that she does, because I think what she does is really incredible. And she cares so much about the profession um, and helping 
the team, those of us who work on the team. And then I met someone at AVMA and I can't remember her name, but I'm going to send you guys an email with her information because she is also doing some really interesting stuff in terms of curriculum design and education side on the vet tech side. And I think that would be really cool. And then, um, yeah. And so, and then I may have one other, but I'll, I'll hit you up after, okay. but I've been thinking yes, about yes, this. Yes, so I'm please. like, Ooh, they're going to ask me, they're going to ask me, who can I say? Yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. Because honestly, so these have, some of these episodes have turned out to be the best ones oh, yeah, yeah, we've agree. ever done because like, it's, it's a, com- it's a conversation we know nothing about Yeah, and, and we get such great responses from it. And it's, it's so wonderful to hear from so many different facets of, of what's going on out there. That's yeah. a, that's our whole goal. So yeah, uh, definitely let us know those other two names and, and I will. Uh, we will, we will look into that and get If you have contact info for, for Kelly yeah. and I do. Um, yeah, I definitely have seen her on the, the not one more bet yeah. page and posts She's and things. Fantastic. So, um, so that, that's awesome. That's, that's yeah. awesome. Cool. All right. And now Liz, All your right. would, would you rather question, All are you right. ready for it? Yeah, sure. Jeff, what do you think? One, two, or three? To be honest, I haven't even looked, so oh. you just roll the dice, buddy, and go for it. <laughs> All right. Well, since wait, we're wait, talking... can I pick? One, two, or three? Can I pick? Or do ooh, you want to... Ooh, let, let you the p- guest... You... She's a Patreon. Yeah. Let the guest roll the dice. Okay, roll the dice. I will take... It's one, two, or three. Yep. Uh, I'll take three. Number three. Would you rather eat a raw onion for breakfast every day or never be able to eat sweets again? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, <laughs> I would this rather is terrible. Die. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I am an umami girl. I do. I think I might be able to forego sweets because I don't think I could eat a raw onion every morning. No, no, I don't think I could no. either. I, I think no. I could probably. And now sweets. I'm not going to ask you what the other two were, but now I'm curious what the other. You can tell me later well, what the other. Two I mean, were. do you want to? <laughs> I mean, we can we can do that. We can we can do all three. Yeah. I don't mind doing all three. Yeah, yeah. Don't you right, want to save them for another guest? Yeah, we want to save them. Okay, but we'll all tell right. you off all air. Right. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, caffeinators, uh, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Thank you so much, Liz, for for coming by again this year. We really appreciate um, your your annual commitment to our our Vet Tech Cafe. Well, and, and this and is an easy one because we don't we don't have to prepare anything. I know we really don't. We, we ask like two questions and we just, you know, kind of like wind up the toy and, and let it go. And, and we just, we just ask follow-up questions based on all that. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's always such wonderful conversation and you support us wholeheartedly year round. We really, really, really appreciate that. Yes. And it's always such great insight into what's going on. So thank you. Thank you. Thank I love you, you guys. So much. I love what um, you do. I love how you're um, lifting us up as a profession and uh, just keep doing it. We'll do. Well, that's what we'll do. That's what we'll do in year four. <laughs> <laughs> All right, caffeinators. Have a great day. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Bye, guys. Hello, caffeinators. We wanted to thank Dog Days Consulting for managing our social media and helping with the interior design here at the Vet Tech Cafe. They don't just do social media. They can help you identify your brand through brand coaching. The founder is a CVPM with 15 years experience in veterinary practice management. They are a small business proudly serving the veterinary community, and we are thrilled to be working with them. Check them out at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. Hey, caffeinators. 
We would like to thank you for listening to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast today. As everybody is well aware by now, we often talk about difficult issues that face our profession. In addition, we chat with colleagues and leaders in our field who have strong opinions of these issues. Those opinions expressed by either Dave or Jeff as the hosts, or those opinions expressed by our guests, are their opinions alone and do not represent any other person, business, institution, or any other entity inside or outside of the scope of veterinary medicine. If you have any questions relating to this, please email us at vettechcafe at gmail.com or visit our website www.vettechcafe.com. Lastly, whatever platform you utilize to hear our dulcet tones, please rate and review our podcast and like and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages as well to see what we're up to. From all of us at the Vet Tech Cafe, have yourself a great day.